Hello and welcome back to another episode of Relish the Journey, a podcast about the many different pathways of life and the stories that every person out there has to share. I'm your host, Miles Biggs, and my guest today is a very lovely young lady <laughs> who I just made laugh, my mom, Kathy Biggs. So mom, thanks for humoring me on this one. You are most welcome. So, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> I, this is like this could be an outlet for you. I don't know if there's a topic you want to touch on or if I should just roll with it. Well, this is a completely new thing for me because I really do not engage in social media. Right. And you and I have kind of talked about that before. Um, so, so this is your chance to like show yourself to the world. Yeah, and the, you know we had this conversation a little bit a while ago when we talked about this. The way I was raised was the world is watching always, and so you need to take that into consideration in everything you say and do. And that might sound a little strict and harsh, and I don't mean it to come across that way, but it's sort of been a guiding principle of mine. Um, the town that I grew up in was a small, close-knit community, and my dad held public office, and my grandfather was a police captain, and before him, you know, my father's godfather was the mayor of the town. So I often felt like everywhere I went, people knew who I was. Right. And that was both comforting and um, humbling, but also a big responsibility because I knew that anything I said or did reflected back on my family. And I, I, want, I always wanted to please my family. And so you learned to be cautious. So social media for me, I have that whole background to think about that right. it's so easy for people to turn something in a way that it wasn't intended and misunderstand things that you say or do. Uh, and I feel like social media it's, makes it really easy for that to happen. And that's one of the reasons why I choose to Refrain. not participate. Yeah. yeah, that and the fact that the job that I hold right now, I'm a school nurse, and I feel like part of my job is to be an advocate for my students and their families, but also to be a positive example for them. And so if I can minimize the things that I put out there that leave me open to criticism, it makes my life a little bit simpler. Sure. So this, I am doing this because I love oh, you and thank I am you. proud of you. And I, you know, you said something about needing a creative outlet. Yeah. And how this is becoming that for you. And I can completely identify with that idea. I find that the times in my life when I am the happiest are the times when I am working on a project. Right. And I'm doing something creative. So well, I want to I want to pause and come back to that, but go back to some of the things you just said. Because it was on, uh, funny enough, something I want to talk to you about, growing up in Linden and you talked about everyone and being in the public. So... Is that where the debutante thing came into play? Is that something <laughs> that you wanted to do? Or is it something that grandma and grandfather, it was almost like you had to go through the school. I don't, I don't, and I really didn't know what right. it is. If it was like schooling, so you would act in the proper way at the public events no, and things No, no, like not that. at all. It really was a scholarship program. Okay. So it was a fundraising event to create, to, to raise funds for scholarships for 
kids who needed help going to college. And it was an honor to be selected to be a debutante. So you had to be of a certain age. It was senior year in high school, and you had to complete an application. I don't remember if there was an interview involved in it at all, but there, there was definitely criteria. And you had to have community service and good grades and a recommendation from someone within the community to do it. And then it was a very big, fancy ball. Right. That was one of the coolest moments of my life, I really feel. It was, I felt like a princess on that day. And it was neat. It was intimidating for me at the same time because most of the other girls in my debutante group were all from Linden High School. And I attended the Catholic High School. So I didn't know them as well as they all knew each other. So, um, I, I didn't always feel like I fit in with the group so well, but it, that didn't color my day because for me it was about my family, which you know is a, a core piece right. of who I am. So it was fabulous. We went to dance classes and learned how to do this cotillion waltz that was a <laughs> choreographed dance. We all performed for everyone who was present. And there was one evening I was at the dance studio where they set a formal table and we had instructions on which fork to use for which course of the meal, that type of thing. Um, and I also remember part of the evening was each girl came out onto this balcony that looked over the dance floor and the big brass railing and like a little bit of a spirally staircase on each side going down onto the dance floor. And so in your moment, you would walk out onto this balcony on your dad's arm. And so all the girls wore white gowns and we had white gloves that came above the elbows. Oh, wow. Very elegant. Nice. Yes. And the dads all wore tuxedos. And when you stepped out onto that balcony, they read your biography, all of your important facts, if you will. And they played your song. And then you came down the stairs and your mom was waiting for you at the bottom of the stairs with the bouquet of roses. And you accepted the roses from mom and walked out to the center of the dance floor and kind of was acknowledged. And then they had all these tall back chairs on either side of the dance floor. So after your moment, you went and sat on the chair and your dad stood behind you. So now here you are sitting on this chair in your long white gown and your tall gloves, something you'd never worn before, yeah. and holding a bouquet of roses kind of like Miss America would. Yeah, it does sound very pageant-esque. It, it absolutely was. And I had never done anything like that before and I had never taken a dance class before. So it was a cultural experience for me and it was amazing. But sitting in those chairs now at the side of the dance floor, your instructions were that you needed to sit perfectly straight and that your back should not touch the back of the chair. No slouching. So my sisters and I will often tease, you know, are you sitting like a debutante and <laughs> back up off the chair? That's it's funny. Kind of, yeah. Do they still do that, do you know? I'm not sure. I hope so. I just, I don't hear about it often, but I also don't know yeah. anybody that I think that's in that circle, if you would. Right. I mean, they they didn't do that in the community that we lived in as you were growing up, and right. I certainly don't hear about that happening here in Easton. Um, you should start it. Yeah, it would be it would be you neat. could do it with uh, elementary school kids even and, and have them do it. <laughs> they'd probably get a kick out of it. They they certainly would, and I think it would create an opportunity for some of these kids that that they have never had before, right? And might help to frame 
uh, give them something to aspire to. Right. Another goal to reach there you for. Go. Yeah, that's a good thought. Happy to help. <laughs> <laughs> so then going back to the creative outlet thing, what would you say your creative outlets are? I know projects you like to do around the house and Well I love the, you know I love, you know, do it yourself fixer upper things around the house and I like to paint absolutely anything. It doesn't matter if it's a wall or a piece of furniture or to get creative on a canvas. I've done that a few times myself. Right. But I also love to crochet and to, you know, make things for the people I love. I got a cricket machine this year and I still have to So what I've heard about these, but what exactly is it like a sewing machine? No, it is it cuts things out basically. Okay. So y there's a an application on your computer and you design things on the computer and then it talks to this machine and it will cut out the different shapes or lettering or you know pretty much anything you want it to do um, that's cool but it's a, yeah it's very cool and it'll cut through vinyl that's adhesive so you could you know stick it onto anything make a sign in fact dad and I I was teasing him because he has this habit when he leaves the house in the morning to go to work, he doesn't always pull the door closed behind him that goes from the foyer down into the garage. And it makes me crazy because we're now heating the garage right. or cooling the garage and I, it's not right. <laughs> so I was teasing him that I was going to print out the words, have you closed the door <laughs> or shut the damn door and put it in know, front of him so he has to turn around exactly put it over the door frame <laughs> that That's he's funny. seeing as he walks out the door but we'll see about that i don't want to be too sassy you can do it in a fun way though so even if right. guests see it and get a chuckle and exactly that's funny yep so where did that where does that come from do you think where does I, the have, creative yeah have you from? always been into those kind of projects or is it something that yes. developed over time no i feel like i've always liked artsy things as far back as I can remember. When I was in high school, um, my freshman year of high school, my homeroom teacher was the art teacher. And she did calligraphy on everything and anything. And I remember that that's probably my first clear memory of a targeted creative outlet. I was so intrigued by her lettering that I started trying it myself and just self-taught and she gave me a few pointers. I got a couple of books and different kinds of pens and then I just started doing calligraphy for everything and anything. Yeah. And you still do. You did our wedding invitations. Yeah, yeah. I did my own wedding invitations. Yeah. That's cool. It is. It's fun. So then did you, I mean, your occupation in nursing, not that it's not creative, but it's, it could be artistic in its own way, I guess. Mm-hmm. So what led you to that instead of doing an art-related you know, thing? I think thing? that I wanted to be a nurse as long as I can remember. And my parents would tell you that I was the only one of their four children who ever needed to stay in the hospital or ever broke a bone, ever really needed emergency medical care. And so there's a part of me that kind of wonders if my early experiences with being a patient... Um, had a, a role in my sure. calling, if you will, to be a nurse. But I really feel like it is more than a career for me. It absolutely is a calling. It is who I am, not what I do. It's just kind of my whole being, everything that, that there is about being nursing. Um, and it is a creative thing, especially in my current role. 
my resources are limited at times, so I have to be very creative in how I problem solve and right. and take care of the, the kids. Yeah. So over your career of nursing, I don't know where it all started, but I know being young, it was you were in the ER at that point, mm-hmm. and now you're in uh, in a school as a school nurse. What has been in the journey of nursing? You know, what do you think have been the high points or low points, or just crazy stories, best memories? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's plenty to talk about. There. Oh, there are lots of crazy stories, but um, what what I love about nursing is that when you get burned out in a particular type of nursing, it's very easy to reinvent yourself within the same profession. So. Uh, I've been a nurse for 34 years, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, And during that time, I've done everything. I started on a med-surg unit and decided that I liked the surgical portion of that better than the medical portion of that. So after the first year, there was an opportunity to move to a surgical floor, and so I did that for a couple of years and took a leadership position on that floor. And then... What Caitlin was born, and I really kind of wanted to have a more normal schedule. So for a while there, I had a job as the admissions nurse at the hospital, where I only worked weekdays. Uh, so it was nice to have all of my weekends and holidays off, and my job was to go wherever there was a new patient. I would go and do take all of their health history and do their initial assessment, and write their nursing care plan and just kind of help orient them to the hospital. And I did all kinds of pre- and post-op education with the patients, so that was fun. Um, What I missed with that was the long-term relationships with patients, because I would see them for a short snippet and then not again. And when you work on a nursing unit, you kind of see a patient from start to finish, and it's nice to see their progress and develop relationships. One of the patients that stands out in my brain was a gentleman named Tom who had bladder cancer and he had to come back into the hospital every so often for repeat procedures to hide, kind of scrape the bladder and keep everything manageable. That I know. phrase, scrape the bladder. That's I know. And it was ugh. a surgical procedure and painful and you know there were parts of his care that were challenging and he, he told me I had the magic touch. Uh, because I was able to complete this procedure for him without it being painful. And I we just I had a feel for him and he for me and we just worked really well together and I was able to bring him comfort. And he would come into the hospital for his procedure and he would request to be on my unit and when he would get up to the unit he would request to be in the set of rooms that I was assigned to so that That's we funny. could continue to work together and you know as a nurse, you always want to make a difference for people and to bring comfort to people. And his asking to be assigned to me was a really beautiful affirmation that I was able to achieve that for Oh, him. yeah, I bet. Yeah. I took care of him first when I was a graduate nurse. And when I passed my boards the next time he came in, he brought me a little gold charm that said RN on it, oh, which I still nice. have to this day. Yeah. That's cool. When we moved away... We kept in touch, he and I, and we would communicate back and forth with Christmas cards every year. And it was just kind of neat. That until the neat. cards stopped coming, and then I knew he was in heaven. Yeah. So do you ever think you yeah. want to go back to the hospital setting? Dad and I have been talking about that a little bit lately because um, I'm, I'm reaching a point in my current position where things are feeling stressful. 
And so looking at ways to manage that stress and what the options are. And so do I want to stay where I am and complete my career in the school district where there's so many positive things about that? Or should I be making a change and kind of having a fresh start might make the last 10 years or so of work fly by more quickly? Sure. So, you know, evaluating what it would mean to go back into the hospital. I haven't been in the hospital in 18 years. Well, maybe a little less than that, because my first few years in the school, I did weekends at the hospital while I worked the weekdays in the school. I feel like so much has changed. It would be a really big learning curve. Yeah. So I, I honestly don't think I will choose to go back to the hospital. I could see you doing, like when we, um, before we had Mason, we went to the different classes for... Mm-hmm. Um, birthing class they called it and right. there's one on breastfeeding and I could see you doing that just that I interaction with the couples Absolutely. and the educational side I think if I were going to go back into patient education I might choose to do more of the joint replacement side of oh, it oh yeah that would make sense Yeah, having had three joints replaced I feel like I could bring a perspective Absolutely. that would be comforting to people who are going through that for the first time because it's overwhelming yeah, yeah, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. So you never know. The Lord will point me in the right direction. Yeah. So that's got to be crazy to think about, though. Ten years and then you're looking at retirement? Is that? Yeah. I'm actually hoping for seven. Yeah. <laughs> that would put me at 62. I'm 56 now. So, yeah. I, my school is um, going through some major changes, and I kind of want to see them through those changes. So I know that I'm not looking for a career change for at least three years. And at that point, it seems silly right. to, to make a big jump. So I think I'm probably going to stay right where I am. Every once in a while, too, I have a moment of affirmation that just lets me know that this really is where I belong. Yeah, with the kids every day. There's Yeah. And when kids come back and tell me that, they miss me or they think about me or something that I said or did with them has stuck with them. You know, I have a student right now who I had, she was my student from kindergarten through fourth grade and she had a cardiac condition that required her to take medication every day. So I saw her every single morning in the nurse's office and just kind of started, her, she, her day started with me. And she came back to visit me maybe three weeks ago because she finally is having a surgical procedure done to correct her condition, and therefore she will no longer need her medication anymore. That's big. That's huge. They had tried to do this with her once before when she was younger, but it it didn't work. So this is a big deal for her. And she came to touch base with me and let me know that this is what was happening. In fact, that she did that, that she came and and hugged and, you know, just drew a little bit of strength, I think, from seeing me again and just gave me so much more than she will ever know right. by reaching out to me again. That For me, that was a sign that I had made a difference for her and her family. Her mom reached out as well with email and is keeping me up to date that, you know, the day of surgery, she did well. It looks like the procedure worked and awesome. she's recovering and, yeah. And you think of her, all the kids that have the guts to be that vulnerable and share that with you there's got to be five more that there are think it and don't say it oh yeah absolutely and there are five more who have said and come back and my one little friend a a diabetic student that will forever be one of my favorite kids and she sent me a postcard about a year ago 
and on the front of it she drew this big sun um, and wrote you are my sunshine <laughs> and then on the back she wrote a note about how I was the best nurse she's ever had and as a diabetic kid you know she's been exposed to nurses every day exactly and at this point she was in the high school already so she had nurses in several other schools her family had moved a couple of times and then come back to our community so she's been she's met a lot of people in her years and it makes me feel good to know that i helped her yeah absolutely yeah i'm going to touch on a key word you said there where you said you felt the student drew strength from you i've always thought of you you so far we talk about your nurturing side but you have a very strong side, a fierce side to you as well. <laughs> I was reflecting back on my upbringing in life. You know, I like to think that, you know, I get my calm, cool, and collected, kind of go with the flow side from dad. Mm-hmm. But then when it's time to, you know, put the hammer down, that's you in me. And I can remember, you know, you writing your Kathy letters to <laughs> to retailers when you're upset with service before social I media or the internet. Yeah. It was like the original <laughs> Yelp. They'd get a, a handwritten letter from you. You know uh, what? The last time I bought a pair of Ked sneakers, you were a little one. Yeah. And that's the letter I think you're remembering. Probably. These sneakers fell apart within a month of my owning them, and I wrote to Keds and complained. And if there's anybody out there from Keds who's listening, here we are 30 years later, and I have not bought another product from that company <laughs> since then because they did not respond at all to my letter make not even a coupon to you know encourage me to try again so yes i do have that you do have that moxie so where do you think that comes from well that clearly comes from the genetics i feel like both of my parents have that kind of strength in them um and assertiveness being um being able to stand up for themselves in a positive way and that I feel is a blessing and a curse at the same time because there is a very fine line between being assertive and being aggressive, being yeah. confident and being cocky. And uh, definitely I, agree with that. I, I struggle with that it's, all the time. Yep, it's a it's a very delicate balance, and you know, I think I do okay with it most of the time. Kids will also, they're so honest with you, so working with children every day, you know if you cross a line with them, they are not afraid anymore to tell you that. Um, and that's a huge change for me than the way I was raised. Right, yeah. You, as a, When I was raised, children did not speak back to an adult, ever. You respected your elders, and you did what you were told. And today's kids are, are not like that, most of them, you know. Sure. And that's... That's okay to a degree. Yeah, for now. (laughs) To a degree. They'll figure it out. So I'm the old-fashioned voice of reason at school and try to instill some of those old values without squashing their spirit. Right. It's tricky. So did a Kathy letter ever work? Did you ever get a reimbursement or something for free? Hmm. Because I've been on that side. So the social media side, running social media channels for some of the companies I've worked for, where someone will write in and complain, especially on the restaurant or brewery side, mm-hmm. and you know, was going through getting them a gift card or replacing their case of beer, and we, right. we did all that and responded. Because nowadays, if you don't interact, Absolutely. they'll take a screenshot and say, "Look, it's been four months and no one's gotten back to me," and then they're mm-hmm. going to post it everywhere, and it lives out on the internet forever. There you go. They could just throw your letter away, but a Yelp review today, you literally can't delete it. 
it. My letter probably just got lost in the bottom of a pile on somebody's desk, or I didn't send it to the correct address or whatnot, you know, and so maybe it's childish of me to stand firm to it, but, and if I had a bad experience with that company now, they probably would make good on it. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a good memory of, I didn't write that many Kathy letters, um, because that one wasn't effective. I tend now to have a conversation about things and let people know when I'm not happy with it and, yeah. and make the change that way. An interesting one for me was a doctor's office where I was pregnant, I want to say with you, and I had Caitlin at the doctor's appointment with me, and at that point she was like three years old, and I had a two-hour wait to see the doctor. I was furious. So by the time, and I was, you know, eight months pregnant, so I was un- largely uncomfortable right. with a toddler with me. And by the time I saw the doctor, I let him know that if he's going to have this kind of a long wait, they should call their patients and advise them of the wait, perhaps reschedule an appointment, or at least serve cold beverages and have <laughs> yeah, reclining chairs in the waiting room for your pregnant women, you know. That's fine. <laughs> it was funny. And he took that to heart. And the next time there was a delay in their office, I did get a phone call letting me know that there was going to be more than an hour's wait to see the doctor, and did I want to reschedule my appointment. So So it works. I appreciated that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Is this... this, So we're out... Everyone that's listening, we're outside on the screen porch, and someone just decided to mow their lawn. Yeah. It's loud in the headphones. Is it loud for you, too? It is loud. Well, the sound levels look okay. We'll see. It's all part of the journey, everyone. <laughs> you can't you can't stop the environment. It's part it's of the nice neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. So, what what else in your mind? I mean, am I sparking things that you feel like you want to touch on or talk about? And well, you know, given the chance to share a message with people, yeah. One of the things that um, was kind of an aha moment for me this this past month, I had a mom who was sharing with me a challenge that her child was going through and the the little girl felt like she was being bullied at school that kids were picking on her and she named the names of the other children that were creating a challenge for her child and these were kids that I knew to be good kids and not mean-spirited children and I shared with the mom I don't think these kids are trying to be mean I think they're just careless in the way they are communicating with your daughter and the mom was that like blown away with that concept that this wasn't meant to be mean that it was just careless and it's it had me start to think about um, being careless with your words as apart from being careful right and it's kind of been a little guiding principle for me the last couple of weeks to be careful with what I say rather than care less and what a difference that makes in every part of your life if you are if you measure your words and I don't mean that you have to do that in absolutely everything but you know especially when you are feeling emotional if you think before you speak about how those your message is going to be received you're more likely to have a positive outcome sure and I've I, heard it. I've heard a quote from somebody. I forget who said it, but that people won't ever remember what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel. That's right. And so it it, it goes right along with that. Yeah. 
So, if, you know, having the chance to now share a message with other people and the, the world in general, that would be one of my, my thoughts, to just be careful with what you say, because words are powerful. They are. They are. Especially going back to you talking about social media or letters or this, they last a long time. You know yes. what I mean? Some people, time like being careless, they just throw them out there and then think mm-hmm. they'll just fizzle away, but they don't all the time. No, they don't. Yeah. In my job, one of the things I am sort of known for is finding the right words, um, which is amusing to me because it's not something that comes naturally to me. It is something that I think about. Um, and my peers often lean on me to come up with the right phrases to say things to parents. I work in a school that has a lot of challenges and families are dealing with a lot of stressors and sometimes they need motivation to accomplish things. And so I am a trusted person and I try to help them find ways to solve their, their challenges, if right. you will. Um, not all of the elementary schools in our district have the same kinds of challenges. So if another nurse is experiencing a challenge that they know I've been through before in my population, they will come to me for the words. Sure. It's humbling and kind of fun to be in that position where yeah, that's funny. That, around the block. That must be another thing that I get from you because it's not like I've ever been you know, classically trained, if you will, in writing. It's just always come easily for it's me, words talent. and mm-hmm. phrasing. So I end up writing every single letter that the company sends out, mm-hmm. or people ask Same. me to edit anything, and it's like, oh, sure, I'll look at it. I'm not any different than you, but well, maybe try it this way. And then, you know, I don't know. And I can get frustrated sometimes because I feel like I'm not any different than you. Why can't you do this for yourself? Right. And yet, that's not true. This is a natural talent that you have that I have, and this is one of the ways we can share that talent and I just try to stay open to that and, and look at it as a compliment rather right. than oh god here's another job for me to do yeah right which goes back to being careful because it's easy to be careless and just have that initial reaction and right you know have a bad reaction when someone asks you to do that yeah. exactly so we're, we're kind of flirting with the topic but one of my questionnaire questions is about advice and so you've just given a little piece of advice, but if you, what would you say would be the best piece of advice that you could give somebody? Always be true to yourself. Okay. You know what your values are and stick with them. Yeah, try not to be swayed by the people around you. Right. Or the, the pressures in society in general. Just, you know what's right in your heart and, and let that guide you. And so is that advice that you were given once? Probably. Yeah. What yeah. do you think is the best piece of advice that you've been given? And, and I knew it was coming and I've thought about it. And <laughs> yet, probably that same advice. You know, yeah. be careful with other people's feelings and be, just be good, be kind. Sure. So was there ever a time when you didn't follow that advice? You feel like sure. you... Yeah. Well... I would not be human if I was, you know, perfect and did that all the time. Yeah. Right. So there was, well, you know, one of the questions you've asked other people was the low point in their life. Yeah, you know? well, it's on the list for you, too, so there we can you go, go right into that. So, one of the low points in my life was probably a time when I didn't stay true to my values, and I, 
you know, made some foolish decisions in my freshman year in college where you're spreading your wings and learning how to fly for the first time. And right. I kind of fell flat on my face because I was foolish. And, and I did things that were um, uncomfortable for the people that I was living with. I broke the rules, if you will. I was never a rule breaker. Yeah. <laughs> and so without getting into a whole lot of details, that is an experience that still comes back to me every once in a while. And it's weird. A song can come on the radio and it'll trigger a memory of that particular day and it all comes flooding back like it happened just yesterday, which is bizarre. Yeah. It is amazing how that'll happen for that mm-hmm. freshman year of college. But, you know, yeah. sometimes I forget what I ate for lunch yesterday. There you, you know go. I mean? It's yep. funny how that... Yep what makes an impact yeah so low moment would be freshman year and being and a little silly what would you think the uh the highest moment the best moment would be well i feel like i've had so many wonderful moments in my life um clearly my wedding day was a huge wonderful day um making a commitment to this man who has been such a wonderful life partner for me and we have grown together and i wouldn't change a single day of our journey if you will you know and you had to know it's going to be good when the man put out your veil on fire with his own hands there you go right (laughs) that had to be a good sign for this guy was going to be there for you he was going to be there for me no matter what and we had so many different experiences growing up that were similar to one another you know his dad being a pastor put him in the public spotlight if you will similar to my dad holding office you know, doing the same kind of a thing. So we understood each other and, and how we grew up and had many of the same values, and yet there were enough, and there continue to be, enough differences between us to keep it real and sure. keep it exciting. So one of the things my mom used to tell me is that, you know, when you're going through a low point in your life, before every resurrection there has to be a death. So going through the lowest points in your life help you to appreciate those high points in your life even more. And it kind of helps me to get through the low points to know that there will be better times ahead of that if you just stay true to your course and have faith. Absolutely. And that's why I ask the questions that way. Because most people can quickly answer the, the high point. Because mm-hmm. that's what we think about all the time. But then you ask them the low point, and they look at you like, "What do you? What? You know?" Interesting, right? Because kind of, my you don't, don't want to think about it. Yeah. But but I think that's why I ask it is, we mm-hmm. we don't spend enough time on those. I don't think to enough learn time from reflecting them. Reflecting on the high. Points. Yeah, because that's well on the low points. On the low points. Because I feel like that's where you learn more. Absolutely, you learn more from your failures. I say that to kids all the time. You know, they'll come in to see me. It's not always because there's a physical ailment that they come to see the school nurse. A lot of times it's because there's something emotional going on that right. they just need a break from or a, and a safe place to regroup, if you will. And that's where I have the chance to shape these little people and help, help them to be stronger. And that perspective is one of them. You learn more from your failures yeah. than you do from your successes. So... Just don't make the same mistake twice. Acknowledge what you've done wrong. Right. Put that in your little memory bank and move forward. Start fresh again. Yeah. And what is it? What A. Marion says, it's okay to visit stupid, just don't live there. That's right. <laughs> I think I've heard yep. her say that. <laughs> yep, that's a great saying. <laughs> so, um, 
the the coup de gras, if you will, of questions, which you also know has been coming because you've had advance notice. But it's the whole thing about the podcast in three words is to describe your life in three words. So, how would you say yours would be summed up in three? I've thought about it a lot because yeah. I knew it was coming. I even wrote it down so I would remember because I changed my mind a couple of <laughs> times. But faith first. Okay. Then family and kindness. Faith, family, kindness. Yeah. Okay. I feel like my faith has been um, my rock. It's what gives me strength. It's what has shaped me to be the person that I am, really. I, there are so many times in my life where I feel like the Holy Spirit speaks through me. I'll be in a difficult position and all of a sudden I'm talking and it makes sense and it's the right words in the right moment and it, it just comes from the Holy Spirit. It's not sure. anything that I thought about, that I consciously... It's just I'm, I'm a vessel for the Lord and I love that. I feel like that is that is who I am clearly in my job and my challenge is to make sure that I am also that in my personal life if you will right so faith first and foremost and family right on its heels because the, my family is also my strength and my rock and I know I can lean on every member of my family and my extended family for anything you know I think about times in my life when I have had a crisis and needed someone it's a simple phone call and someone is there and for me the most a, a shining example of that would be when Nana died yeah so um, you know, it was unexpected and I was all alone and here I am on my way to the hospital following her ambulance and just kind of rocked to the core and your dad was in Philly it's okay he was with his brother who was having surgery on that day and now here I am calling him and telling him that his mother is on his way to the hospital and I needed somebody there for me and you were a distance away Caitlin was a distance away Danielle was at work and I just felt like this was more than I wanted to put on one of my children and I called my sister Marion who was 40 minutes away, but did not hesitate to turn her car right around. They had just been at Dick's Sporting Goods, which is oh, right really? across the street from the hospital we were heading yeah. to. And they had basically just walked in the door, and she and Kevin just jumped right back in the car and came and stayed with me until your dad arrived. And I was so grateful for the strength of them, um, because there was all kinds of questions being asked and things that needed answers to. And I had all those questions and answers, but I was so vulnerable at that point on my own. As soon as they walked through the door, I was strong again. Right. And that's the value of family. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. People who get you and accept you for who you are, always. And, yeah. Pick you up when you're down and rejoice with you when you're happy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We're blessed. We are. We have a big family. Really? Yeah, we have a big family that is wonderful and loving and supportive and sometimes a little bit crazy. And, you know, we have our moments where we are a little judgy of one another. But underneath it all is just this deep, deep love and strength yeah. and commitment. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah, so am I. So am I. That's what I hope. 
Mason has. Absolutely, he will. Okay, then y'all need to start having some cousins. <laughs> well, one, one their day. time will come. Or my cousins need to so be a second cousin. There you go. But, That'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. And we, Clyde and I are very lucky, too, where we're, we're located in a good spot because we're in the middle between both large families with Pittsburgh and Easton and us in the middle. But it sucks that it's not 40 minutes. You know, it's right. two hours is right. the closest. Well, Caitlin is an hour, I guess, now. We just learned yeah. that. But yeah. we have a large network of friends. Yes, you do. So that have become, you know, like the family we've chosen out there Absolutely. that are closer that we yes. would call and lean on similarly where it's yes. like in a, a bigger pool of siblings, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Absolutely. Yes, we're lucky in that regard, too. We have also a, a close-knit circle of friends who share our values. and Yeah. Yeah. And the third one was kindness. Kindness. Yeah. I, I think it's underrated. You know, I think it, it is a decision that you make every day to be kind. You can choose to respond to things in a variety of ways, but kindness is important. Um, one of my colleagues shared with me, I was during a low time in my life when things were very challenging. It was when grandma was going through her cancer treatments and it was it was a difficult time for the whole family and we were all trying to figure out how we could best support her and still and kind of make peace with it on our in our own way. Right. And she was sharing that her family had gone through a similar struggle and what helped her to get through it with multiple siblings and everybody moving in their own ways was you have to just trust that at every moment each person is doing the absolute best that they can do. You know, maybe that's one of the best pieces of advice I've that's ever a good received. Piece of advice. It's really good. So in each moment just believe that each person is doing the best thing that they can do. And for me that's kind of the definition of kindness. It's giving people the benefit of the doubt right. and accepting them where they are not where you want them to be sure yeah that's the, and that goes back to the whole mention being judgy with family right mm-hmm. it's easy to it is you, why can't this person just be like this or more like me or how i'd handle it but that, that, that and because they're not they're, they're not you yeah. right and because they are family and you know they love you no matter what it's easy to get judgy with one another because you know that Right. No matter what you do or say, that person's still going to be there for you. Right. They'll figure out a way to forgive and move forward. And yeah. I like it. I do too. I feel like I'm in a good place with my family right now too. We've kind of gone through peaks and valleys with personal relationships within the family, but I kind of feel like right now, each one of my individual relationships is a little bit stronger than it has been before, and I really sure. feel like that. It's good. It is good. And it's one of those things, too, I think we're lucky to have those peaks and valleys. Because I know plenty of people that it's just valleys. That's right. <laughs> like, they, even though you're supposed to always love your family be there for them, they just don't talk to one another. Yep. And so they don't even have an opportunity to be judgy because they just have written them off. So it's I think it, it's good to have the ups and downs because at it least is. you have them. That's right. Yeah. When Dad and I were getting ready to be married, we went on an engaged encounter weekend. And one of the things we learned, we talked about on that, was there will be days in your relationship when it will take a decision to love the other person. But it doesn't always... Also good advice. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yep. And and, And in those moments, it's okay to say to the other person, it's really taking a decision to love you today. 
and we've used that phrase with one another occasionally, it's powerful on both ends. Yeah. To be the, on the receiving end of that, it's a reality check. It's like, okay, what am I doing now? Because right. there's this person that I know loves me unconditionally, and today they have to work I'm on pissing them off today. <laughs> I must need to look at myself here. I, you know, turn it inward and make the change that you need that you need to make. Right. Yeah. So, what questions do you have for me? I always end that this whole thing with that because I only mm-hmm. feel like feel like it's only fair. What has been your greatest challenge in life? My greatest challenge in life? It's a good question. Thinking out loud, I don't know if there's been just one. I think each portion of life or stage of life has had its own set of challenges. I, th- I think in general, it's getting out of my own way sometimes. Like making the choices and decisions for a mindset that you're talking about. Because I can be very much in my head and overthink things or get caught up in why things aren't the way I'd like them to be mm-hmm. and I do come off strong sometimes I'm very much a love me or hate me kind of guy and the that can get in my way sometimes because I'm, it's just a, you know I'm going to do it the way I want to do and I really don't care how it affects any other person or what people think And but that can hold you back sometimes because it, it's important what people think mm-hmm. you know even if you don't want it to be important you know Every day you're interacting with people, so yep. if nobody likes you, you're not going to make it very far. That's right. So I'd say that's been my challenge, is tempering that with you know knowing when to pick my battles mm-hmm. and not picking every single battle. Because there have been times where I've just picked every single battle, and you know you can still keep your principles for yourself that's right. and not project them on other people mm-hmm. and get through things a little bit simpler. So I still have to remind myself of that. Absolutely. But I that's think, why it's a challenge. Yeah, that is a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. I think it's it's a growth process too. Yeah. You know, and as you experience more of life and you kind of observe challenges in other people and work through challenges in yourself, you develop the skills to manage it a yeah. little bit better. I agree. Yeah. And having a kid has really reframed a lot of things too. Mm-hmm. Which is just interesting. Yeah. Because you. You always assume that will happen, but then you actually just go through life with a whole other filter now. Yeah. Where everything just takes on a different meaning. Yeah. And when you get knocked down and you have to pull yourself back up again, it changes that way of thinking a little bit. Too. Yeah. It's, you're, in, you're in a challenging position, I feel, at work with being the person in charge and um, having to make difficult decisions and having to be assertive on a daily basis. I would imagine... It's. It might be a little challenging to change gears. It is sometimes walking out of the office after being the boss and making all the decisions. And it's yes, you will do this my way because that's what needs to happen to achieve the goal that the company has. Right. And then to move into interpersonal relationships where it's not all about you, and it is more compromised. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, and sometimes it's hard to be as present as I'd like to be because it's exhausting mm-hmm. the stuff at work. Yes. Mostly, it's like 10 to 12 hour days every day. Mm-hmm. I come home and I just want to slump into the couch and just be quiet well, and stop talking but the baby routine that. and all that good mm-hmm. stuff and I have to be present and a husband and friend and all that good stuff so sometimes I go too far the other direction mm-hmm. where I, I probably could be more assertive because you know no one likes someone that says, I don't care, where do you want to go? I, you know, right, right. Someone has to make a decision. So it, I call that transition Finding time. that middle, yeah. Yeah. 
your dad often has a long drive to and from work. So at the end of his work day, he's got that quiet time to kind of decompress. And I don't. My job is 10 minutes from the house, which right. is wonderful on many occasions. But after a long, difficult day, I do need just a little bit of what you're describing, quiet time to myself. And luckily, I can communicate that to your dad, and he understands it. And I'll just say, I need some transition time. I'm going to go for a walk. You can come with me, but I'm... I, just don't talk. Don't talk <laughs> for the first 15 minutes. Just let me, let me settle first. And he's such an amazing partner in that way he gives me the space that i need and he can tell when the, when the, when the steam has burned off if right. you will and i'm i'm ready to go again that's good it is good any yeah. other questions Plus. for me no i think i feel like we we had a lot of conversations so the things i would have asked you you've already answered in okay. in our back and forth did we cover yeah. everything on your we did your your notes yeah, we actually did. Nice. Not exactly in the order that I wrote them, and but that's okay. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I had one other, just kind of a cool reflection as I was thinking about okay. this, because as a mom, it's so I am so proud of my children, and it's fun to be able to watch you in action, and you know I, I don't really get to go to your job and see you do what you do at work. Right. Um, I get that a little bit. I can't. I don't get to do that with Danielle either. Just corporate world. America doesn't really exciting. allow for that. <laughs> well, with Caitlin being a teacher, and we go to see her concerts, so or we'll go to a, a band competition, and we can see her in teacher mode, and that's kind of cool, and it fills my heart a little bit. Um, I have this memory of when I was working as a young nurse, first couple of years at a nursing school, and I was at Rawway Hospital, which was just the next town over from where my parents lived, and. Uh, one of my father's friends was a patient at the hospital. He wasn't on my unit, but he was present, and my dad came to visit him. I had no idea my father was in the hospital until I am at a patient's bedside. My back is to the door. I'm starting this gentleman's IV, and I'm kibitzing with him and trying to help him relax and whatnot. And suddenly his attention is at the foot of the bed. He's looking at someone else, and it's my dad who was standing there, like how he knew which room I was in. One of the girls that I worked with must have shared that sure. with him. But my father, being a confident person, just walked right in. Back in the 80s, where yeah, no HIPAA. privacy no, no. laws weren't <laughs> what they are today, and he's standing there watching me start this gentleman's IV, and was so proud of me, and, and let that person know that. Every time we are in a hospital setting and I am there with him, he's very quick to identify, I brought my nurse with me. Yeah. It, it makes me, I know my mom is proud of me too, and she shows it in different ways. It's so nice to be in the middle of that sandwich, if you sure. will, to know that the job that I do, that the work that I have done has made my parents proud just the way you guys make me proud. Yeah. Well, thanks. It's kind of a nice succession. Yeah, a complete circle, if you will. Yeah. So and when Mason rolls over from his back to his belly, he makes us all proud. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So, I thank my parents for the life that I've had, for instilling that strong sense of faith and family in me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. And likewise, I think it's trickled down to all of us too. I hope so. I worry about you sometimes. Yeah especially with the faith piece because I know that that's something that 
is still evolving for you. And it has been, having a spiritual home in a, in a parish community has been a source of strength for me. Right. And has helped me to stay centered and, and I don't know, keep me on the right path, if you will. And it's, for me, it's more of a personal relationship. I am not as involved in my parish community as I would like to be, but going to church each Sunday and knowing that all these people around me have the same values and are working towards the same kinds of goals that I am, it it centers me and it calms me and it allows me to feel the Lord's presence in my life. And I, why I worry for you is because I don't see that you have that right now. Yeah. And I'm just really hoping that... Yeah, I mean, I'd like, to, I'd like to find it, too. I think it's been interesting transitioning uh, denominations. Yes. You know, I'm so used to it being one way. I think that's part of it is just getting a comfort level with something completely mm-hmm. different that is not what I'm used to. Yes. Um, so and that just, goes back to what we were talking about before, you know? Yeah, yeah. so at some point it's just going to come down to me making the decision to just say, just go, just do it. Let's do it. Give it a chance. Um, so, because you have to choose a spiritual home that's going to be right for your family yeah. and for your child. Yeah, and I do. I mean, that, that's going to be the tipping point. Is I do want Mason to have that. Mm-hmm. I think it's 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 a good. The church is good for kids. I that's mean, right. just teaching Absolutely. them right from wrong and the structure yeah. of it all. Sit, kneel, stand, and the the ritualistic side of it of just following rules, if you will, and the way you carry yourself to be polite and things like that. It, it all factors into other things outside of it. Feeling the Lord's love and knowing that that's what it is that you're feeling, too. Yeah. So, we'll get there. You will. Just, I think it'll help once he's more of a, a more of a routine and, you know, walk around himself and do, you know, and we can, I don't know, it'll create some space to... There's never going to be a perfect moment. I feel like you guys need to just kind of get out there and explore it and start church shopping, if you will, you know, Make that decision before Sunday morning rolls around that tomorrow we're getting up and we're going to this service at this church at this right. time and just see what it is. When we did that, it's going to help too now where we're in a spot that we're going to stay. Right. Because bouncing around from town Absolutely. to town certainly didn't help because we'd try it and we'd find a place and then we move. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, great. We're not going to drive all the way from Winfield to yeah. Williamsport to that church we liked every Sunday. It's just too far. Yeah. So It's interesting. Yeah. When I look back at it, I mean, my dad was raised in a two-faith family. His one side was Catholic, the other was Episcopalian. Okay. And so there, I, and then I married Dad, who I'm Catholic, and he's Lutheran, and now you and Claire are each of different faiths. Yep. And yet, all Christian, and one God. Oh, you yeah. know, so our fundamental beliefs are the same. What difference does it make? In, you know, there's going to be some Catholics out there who won't be happy with me for this, right. but you know, all right, so we have seven sacraments and your church only believes in three sacraments. That's okay. You believe in the same Lord. Right. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. So I feel like, find what feels right for you and you'll yeah. know it when you feel it. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the name is on the outside of the building. Just commit to it. Absolutely. Uh, I really pontificated there. I didn't okay. to do that. It's all right. Well, we'll end there then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> With be kind to one another, like Ellen DeGeneres would say. There you go. <laughs> be true to your values. And just keep swimming, as she had also That's said. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> My favorite movie. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. And that'll do it for another episode of Relish the Journey. 
Thank you to everyone out there listening. Be sure to follow Relish the Journey on social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RTJ Podcast. Let me know what you think of each episode using hashtag RTJ Podcast. And if you'd like to email me directly to get on the show or to give me ideas for future questions to ask my guests, you can email me at miles.rtjpodcast at gmail.com. And that's Miles with a Y. Until next time, hope you all relish the journey.